All right, welcome in to episode 15 of the Sam and Gabby's Fantasy Football Show. I'm your host, Samuel Bigelow, joined by my co-host here, Gabby Mozipo. Uh, it's week 13, like I said, episode 15. Uh, we're excited to, excited to be here. And Gabby, how's your day going so far? How are you doing? So far, so good, you know, getting into the playoffs. We, a lot of playoffs either starting this week or next week, so I'm excited to scoop up some of those uh, championships that we've been planning for all this season. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm hoping that um, maybe we get some uh, playoff matchups head-to-head in uh, some of our leagues that we play in together. It's looking like that might be the case, so uh, that's another thing I'm looking forward to. So fantasy football, jumping right in. We're going to go through all of our normal segments here, you know, news and notes, uh, judging the waiver wire and our matchups, all the usual stuff. Uh, first, wanted to say follow us at SG Fantasy Show on Twitter. Um, we uh, will be there on uh, an hour before kickoff every Sunday doing start sits, and you can send us any questions there, and we put post updates uh, throughout the week. So uh, stay in touch with us on Twitter um, at SG Fantasy Show. But to keep moving forward, our first segment, news and notes. Uh, first things first, Daryl Henderson. He has a quad injury. It's been uh, limiting him. He's been actually, he's been out of practice. Um, and I should say we are recording this December 1st on a Wednesday. Uh, you'll likely be hearing this like Thursday or later in the week. But um, as of now, Daryl Henderson has not practiced yet this week. Um, it's unclear if he'll be out this week or not, but um, I would say it's probably trending uh, towards, uh, you know what? I don't want to speculate. It's unclear uh, which way it'll go, but if he is out, I think the clear handcuff there is Sony Michelle. Uh, definitely a guy to own, especially if you are a Daryl Henderson owner. Um, you should have probably had him already, to be honest. But um, you know, uh, you know, we want to make sure you have your handcuffs. That's going to be kind of a theme uh, of this news and notes segment. Um, just a little preview there. Going into our next guy, another guy you're going to want to have had the handcuff if you if you could have DeAndre Swift. Uh, his handcuff is of course Jamal Williams, but he's kind of a guy who. Uh, has standalone value. So it's it's actually fairly likely you don't have him on your team if you're a DeAndre Swift owner. Um, but it's unclear how long DeAndre Swift will be out with his sol- shoulder injury. Uh, could be multiple weeks. Um, it seems like if the Lions were good, he could be back sooner. Uh, but since they aren't, it sounds like they will be playing it cautiously. That's what all the reports are. It sounds like it could be a little while before they uh, put uh, Swift back in the game. So uh, bad news for Swift owners for sure. Um, Gabby, do you, how do you see that uh, playing out? Do you think Jamal Williams is going to get the vast majority of the carries there? Is he going to be like a bell cow guy? Is he going to get everything there? Or what are you thinking? And how think, do you think? I think he's going to get most of the work there. I think so too. Uh, do you think that, do you think DeAndre Swift comes back sooner or later? What's your read on that situation? Uh, I I think they play cautious just given DeAndre Swift's injury history. If you remember going into this season when I was a little bit high on Jamal Williams was not only the talent, but also DeAndre Swift doesn't obviously doesn't haven't had the ability to stay on the field and we're able to see this here with another injury. So I think the Lions take it a little bit precautiously. They haven't had one single win this year. So 
going into week 13, they can already chalk up the season as a loss. So there's no reason to rush DeAndre Swift back and risk further injury to their one of their only shining pieces to the season. So I do see them taking more of a cautious approach. So I definitely see Jamal Williams being a top 15, top 20 play until DeAndre Swift's being uh, able to get back on the field. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, next guy, Debo Samuel, uh, wide receiver for the 49ers who's been getting a lot of carries recently. Um, he's going to probably miss one or two weeks with a groin strain. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is going to be probably the, an interesting guy in that situation. Um, now that uh, uh, Debo Samuel is going to be out for those couple weeks, he's he was awesome while he was there. They're going to need somebody to fill that kind of explosive game-breaking role. I don't expect Brandon Ayuk to start getting a, like carries or anything, but I think that he's probably going to get a little bit of a boosted floor and a ceiling uh, increase as well. Um, just the potential to get more targets in the offense without Debo Samuel being the number one there. Um, and I think that just guarantees that he'll be looked at every week and then has the potential to have some really big games for you. And uh, Brandon Ayuk, he's my best of the rest start of the week uh, for that reason, for the most part. Um, I just think they're going to need to use him uh, in San Francisco versus Seattle this week. Um, and Brandon Ayuk hasn't even really been bad, at least in the recent uh, in, in the recent few games. Over the last five weeks, he's averaged over 13 points a game. Um, of course, everybody drafted him high at the beginning of the season, and he totally, completely disappointed for the first half of the season. Uh, but lately, he's been at least solid for you. Um, so he's a guy that I think is – Definitely an interesting start this week if, uh, in a flex in a flex spot. Um, yeah, so definitely a guy that I'm interested in. Uh, Gabby, is there anything about this Debo Samuel injury that you think uh, is important to note in regards to how it's going to affect the rest of the 49ers offense? You know, I do think Brandon Ayuk falls into that role. I don't think he's going to get any of the running back carries that Debo was able to get. Agreed, but yeah. I do think that given this running offense in – how much Debo was a part of it. I think you're playing Elijah Mitchell, obviously, but now you can just play him with a little bit more confidence, especially given off this huge game. He's going to be now locked into your lineup for the rest of the season. He was a little bit on the flex territory. RB2 with upside, especially with Debo out. But other than that, no, I think everybody else in the offense was either started or gets a little bit of a boost, and now Brandon Ayuk can be put in lineups with confidence. Um, uh, sorry, blanked on his name there for a second. Elijah Mitchell, he really has not been targeted for the most part this season at all. Uh, this last game was the only other game he's had with over two receptions. Um, a lot of games will come away with zero receptions, but maybe that's a sign. Uh, I mean, he got five receptions against Minnesota, so maybe that's a sign that without Debo, Elijah Mitchell is actually going to be involved in the pass game. Um, which would be huge for Elijah Mitchell owners because he's already been really solid even without having that passing work. Uh, so definitely something to, uh, to hope for if you're an Elijah Mitchell owner there. Um, moving on to our next guy, another sad injury to report, Dalvin Cook. He has a shoulder strain. He's expected to miss at least two games. Uh, important to note, at least. Um, so could potentially be more. Uh, hopefully it'll be just the two. But, of course, Alexander Madison is going to be the fill-in there. And uh, we've seen this a lot of times, including this year already. So we know how that's going to go. Alexander Madison is definitely a great play. Um, hopefully you have him as the handcuff. Uh, but if, if you don't, uh, if you just have him and you just 
he's a great player regardless. So um, that's that's the Minnesota situation there as far as Dalvin Cook. Um, next guy, biggest name on the list for sure, obviously, uh, Christian McCaffrey. He's out for the season. He's an ankle injury. Um, that's really disappointing for the Christian McCaffrey owners. Um, battling injuries the last two years has really done nothing over the last two years as far as fantasy or football, really. So uh, disappointing couple of years for Christian McCaffrey. Hopefully he can bounce back next year, um, but he's going to be out for the year. And it's going to be Chuba Hubbard and Amir Abdullah who are going to start seeing the, the majority of the carries. Um, I'm kind of a Chuba believer. I think he could really step into that role and be solid for you in, fan- in fantasy. I think a low-end RB2. Um, I know he hasn't really performed that great earlier in the season. He is a rookie, though. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hopeful that he could improve and be a little bit more effective. Um, but I wouldn't be super confident. But still an interesting add. Um, <clears throat> Gabby, how much, how much work do you think Chuba and uh, Amir Abdullah uh, each get? How do you see that, that workload shaping out? Um, I see Amir Abdullah taking a little bit of the passing game from Chuba Hubbard. And we had a sample size, as you alluded to earlier, with Chuba Hubbard taking the lead role, and he was just not that effective. And yes, he's a rookie, but one thing to note is that he's a rookie running back. And what we know about rookie running backs is that they're usually really good at the beginning of their careers during the rookie years. If we look back at Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott, arguably their best years were at the beginning of their careers. So with with their rookie years. So I don't think being a rookie as a running back is necessarily a good excuse. And Chuba Hubbard has just not been good. And now with the addition of Cam, yeah, it looks like we'll get into him a little bit later. It looks like now he won't be able to throw the ball anymore. But we do know Cam Newton is going to be the best short short yardage runner in the NFL, arguably now still. And with him at the goal line, they're still going to give him touches. And with that, I, I just don't see Chuba Hubbard being anything more than a flex consideration. And I, people are going to think that as a starting running back, he might have more value, but I just, I just don't think he really has the value that people might think any of these other handcuffs will. Like I'd rather have Jamal Williams or Alexander Madison. And we know that Christian McCaffrey's out for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on, I would rather have um, both those guys as well. Um, but I do think Chuba Hubbard's interesting. And I think I th- I'm not saying that his, him being a rookie is a, a good excuse for him being poor, but um, he's had some really good weeks and he's just been inconsistent. I think maybe it's an excuse potentially for some inconsistent play. Um, the biggest problem with him is that his schedule is really tough going down the line. They're on by this week, of course, but next week Atlanta, and that's kind of like the last team that you really are happy to play him against. Um, and then they got Buffalo, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and then Tampa Bay again. So pretty tough schedule for him, and go, especially in the playoffs. So that's another downgrade for Chuba. And I think Amir Abdullah is going to get a fair amount of work there, to be honest. Um, but I think that Chuba Hubbard's worth a flyer with the hopes that he turns into that um, low-end RB2 um, for the rest of your season. He's had some weeks where he's been really good for you, been at that RB2 level or RB1 uh, only, I guess only one, one time he really would have hit that, but he's had a few weeks over 10 and 10 points in fantasy. So um, he has the potential to do that um, as the starter. So hopefully um, it's a little bit more consistent. I think he's just worth a flyer. I don't expect him to be uh, a league winner or anything kind of 
Madison or uh, Madison could be a total league winner if Dalvin Cook comes back. So um, I definitely think there's a, a, a difference um, in the, not just like a, a solid break between the two. Um, anything else to add on that before we move on? No. All right. Last piece of news here is just Adrian Peterson is signed to the Seahawks practice squad. I'm just wondering, Gabby, do you have any interest in picking him up? Do you, it's a, it's a Seattle backfield that's been really murky lately. Is there, do you have any interest in, uh, in Adrian Peterson? No, not at all. All right. I agree. But I think that, uh, people out there might have had the question. So I wanted to bring it up, but, uh, that's going to conclude our news and notes segment there. Uh, judging the waiver wire is going to be the next thing here. We already talked about the top guys to pick up if they are uh, somehow available in your league. Those are going to be the handcuffs for the guys that went down. You got Alexander Madison, Jamal Williams, Sony Michelle, and Chuba Hubbard. Um, those are going to be the, the handcuffs that might be available. And then also a guy to mention, Tony Pollard. Uh, there's been some, some reports that maybe Zeke was going to get um, some decreased work. You maybe get a little bit of a break according to Zeke at least. And uh, from what we've heard after that's been reported, sounds like that's not really the case, um, but Zeke could be banged up. So uh, Tony Pollard is a great ad. If, uh, if Elliot goes down, it's going to be, it, Tony Pollard would be a great fill in. And if you, if, if you happen to have him on your bench and you weren't the Zeke owner, it could be a league winner for you. So uh, definitely Tony Pollard, if he's available as well. Um, but yeah, so all those handcuffs should be rostered. You should always have your uh, handcuff to your, your top running back if there is a clear handcuff. Um, yeah. So moving on, though, to other players that you might have been interested in uh, in this waiver wire uh, period. Kendrick Bourne, New England Patriots wide receiver. Uh, he's a boomer bust type player. He's had a, a lot of weeks that he was completely unusable, to be honest. But for five out of his 12 weeks, he's had over fan or excuse me for five of his 12 weeks. He's had over 14 fantasy points and three of those five weeks were over 20 fantasy points. So he's a true boomer bust type player. If you're in a matchup where you are looking like you might lose, he's a, a great guy to throw in there and try to get a big boost. Um, but that's all I see him as not really a guy that I'm rushing out to get, um, but he is interesting. Uh, Gabby, how do you feel about Kendrick Bourne? Um, I like him a lot, especially at this time of the year, just because when we get down to these playoff seasons, we're here for the boomer bust type players. Um, six points isn't going to win you your fantasy, your fantasy playoffs or win you your championship for that matter. You need people who are going to go out here and get you 20. So I do like Kendrick Bourne. He's been pretty consistent over the last handful of weeks here. He's a wide receiver 24 on the year. So that does fall into flex category wide receiver three range so yes he's been unusable but there's also been some weeks that he's been super playable and we've seen the touchdown upside and what we know about these wide receivers Jacoby Myers caught one touchdown in his career so when you start looking around outside of Hunter Henry and maybe John Smith uh, the touchdowns are going to most likely come for Kendrick Bourne so especially an offense that's rolling in a, a team that looks like it'll be able to keep up scoring points for the rest of the year. I do definitely like Kendrick Bourne as a, as a waiver wire pickup this week. If your wide receiver core needs isn't looking for a boost going into the playoff stretch. Yeah. I think he's an interesting ad. I just, I wouldn't be, uh, I'd have a hard time starting him at this point. 
just super inconsistent and is only really, really boom for you three out of the 12 weeks. I mean, of course, Mac just keeps getting better and better. So maybe, maybe Bourne will keep getting better and better, but I'm not super sold on the consistency there. And I, if you're a playoff team who's relying on Kendrick Bourne, um, I think you're probably in trouble unless you're in a deeper league. But um, also we wanted to touch on uh, his counterpart, uh, Jacoby Myers, also, of course, a receiver for the Patriots. Um, I think we're both lower on him for sure than Kendrick Bourne. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Gabby, but I think we're both lower on him than Kendrick Bourne. Uh, but Jacoby Myers has been a fairly consistent guy. He's averaging uh, 11 fantasy points this year overall. Uh, over the past three weeks, he's boosted that a little bit. He's got himself up to averaging a, a little over 12 points a game uh, for the past three weeks. So he's bo- been a little bit better recently. Um, but Jacoby Myers is like a super poor man's Hunter Renfro, I, I would say. I mean, he's not as consistent. Um, but he's he's not really a guy. I, he's going to get you like 10 points probably, I think, most weeks. And I, that's not super, something that's super interesting to me unless you're in a super deep league. But, uh, Gabby, I wanted to open it up uh, for you to comment, if you would like, on Jacoby Myers. No. I like him as a – I like him as a – yeah, like you said, a poor man's on a Renfro. But outside of that, um, there's not a lot of upside there. So I wouldn't mind if you were – pivoting in a different direction or you weren't as interested in Jacoby Myers, but there's definitely a niche for him in the sense that if you are in a matchup and you think you're going to win and you just need points and you have a guy such as maybe Tyler Lockett or Mike Williams, you can definitely throw in a Jacoby Myers in there instead and take your 10 to 11 fancy points and move on. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could do that, yeah. Um, he do- definitely does have value in, a, in, a specific, in, in some situations for sure. Um, next guy on the list, Matt Breida. Not a guy you should rush out for, but um, he's averaged 13 fantasy points in the three weeks since he's been called up to the Bills' uh, active roster. He went from having a snap percentage in the teens up to 32% of the snaps in each of the last two weeks, which is enough snaps to be somewhat interesting for fantasy, but um, not enough to be super effective. Uh, But like I said, has averaged 13 fantasy points a game in the last three weeks and is an interesting guy if you're really running back needy. I know I had to pick him up in a couple leagues, but um, just an interesting guy to see how he's going to play within the offense. Um, They clearly like him more than Zach Moss at this point. Zach Moss has been a healthy scratch um, at least the last week. I don't, I don't remember if he was the week before as well, as well, but um, Zach Moss clearly um, not a guy they're favoring right now. Matt Breida um, has definitely been a little bit more um, or obviously been getting used a lot more. It has been, uh, looking like one of the better uh, is looking like he might be the best running back there. Sounds like, seems like it's still Devin Singletary who's going to dominate um, as far as being the number one and as far as snap percentage. But Matt Breida, an interesting ad in a desperate situation. Um, did you have any comments, Gabby? No, not on Matt Breida. Uh, I do think it's uh, well, but on Zach Moss, I do think it's interesting that he did get that healthy scratch. I think. Yeah, now you you can cut them. Um, anytime I see a healthy scratch, it I move on personally. Even though last time we did that, Zach Moss seemed to have a little stretch there. I think it's done. Matt Breida shown that he's had the explosion to at least take more carries away, and that means all three of them are kind of useless. And if there was one to be picked up, it would be Matt Breida. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that assessment as well. Um, moving on to the last guy we wanted to mention on the judging the waiver wire segment here, Taysom Hill. He's my quarterback best of the rest start of the week this week. 
And my biggest reason for that, he's playing Dallas, but um, biggest reason for him to be picked up and my biggest reason to be um, to start him this week, if you're looking for a stream, is, of course, his rushing ability is going to get you a solid baseline and a high upside. And he averaged 23 points per game in his four starts in 2020. So we've talked about that before. And then when, when he was coming back from his, his concussion, that kept him out for a while. Um, when he was coming back from that, we talked about uh, how good he was in 2020. Of course, they let Trevor Simeon get the, get the starting role, and he held on to it for a little while. Taysom Hill is going to be the starter now, uh, or at least this week. I expect him to be the starter for the rest of the year. Um, and if he is the starter, I think he'll be good for fantasy, even if he's not great for real NFL football. Um, so Taysom Hill, a guy that you might be able to get off your waiver wire or might have been able to get off your waiver wire this week um, and could be really interesting. And if you need a quarterback, you should definitely be adding him. Uh, Gabby, you see Taysom, uh, Taysom's value similarly or what? Yeah, I do. He's definitely with the running upside and the same thing, a boost. Especially, um, I see Taysom Hill as a very valuable asset this time of year. I see him with the potential. If your quarterback was t- Ryan Tannehill, or even a guy like um, Derek Carr, maybe somebody who's been tailing off here a little bit recently, you can go get a Taysom Hill and uh, save your quarterback season. Because we've been waiting for Taysom Hill to take the starter role for a while. We knew he was going to be productive, but we were just waiting for him to take the reins. And this week looks like this will be the week. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to see what uh, how he'll do. I'm really excited to watch that. He could be. He could be a fun watch, even if he's not um, winning games. So uh, moving on, though, that's going to be um, all the guys we're talking about on the judging the waiver wire segment here. So we'll be moving on to our matchups portion, our main portion here, uh, going through all the matchups. First things first, the Thursday night game. Remember to take your Thursday night players out of the flex spot if they're there. Put them in a position spot to just give yourself additional positional flexibility. Um, but that game, Cowboys versus Saints. The Cowboys are going to be missing a lot of coaches coaches um, due to COVID. Amari Cooper, though, should be back. He might miss this game still. Uh, he's been out for a while, so he's definitely past his 10-day window. But he is apparently still symptomatic, so it's unclear whether or not he'll be able to play thir- uh, tomorrow, Thursday. Um, hopefully he does. It sounds like it's probably leaning that way, but – um, we'll see. Hopefully he plays, uh, CD lamb, of course, going to be a great play there. Um, regardless of if he starts or not, if Amari Cooper doesn't go, I think that uh, makes Cedric Wilson interesting again. And is of course good for, uh, Michael Gallup, who will be even better if, uh, Amari Cooper doesn't go and, uh, Zeke just a guy to watch this week. You're of course starting him. Um, sounds like he's going to be all good to go, but a guy that's Interesting to watch. Sounds like he could be a little banged up. So uh, maybe a big game for Tony Pollard. Uh, not a guy that I'm necessarily recommend starting, but he could be a desperation play. Um, and then on the Saints side, he would only start Taysom Hill, I think, uh, and Alvin Kamara. Um, other than that, that offense is pretty, uh, pretty ugly. <laughs> uh, anything in that matchup, Gabby, that you wanted to touch on that I missed? No, I, I think you did a pretty good job there with that one. All right. And uh, moving on to our Sunday slate of games. First one, Colts, Texans. Gabby, per usual, you're the resident Colts fan. Take us through what's uh, going on here. I expect, uh, of course, uh, a T.Y. Uh, T. Hilton take. 
Yeah, see what is going to be starting in all your lineups. Last time I told you to do that, he got 80 yards. Um, there's not going to be much analysis outside of the fact that when T.Y. Houston is at Allegiant Stadium, he has the highest um, average. That's where he has his highest average yards per game is in that stadium, not even at the Colts Arena. So um, I, I think that this is this is definitely a flex play, at least in all honesty, given the fact that Houston is pretty bad versus wide receivers and the over-under is set at Houston plus eight and a half. Um, there is a chance that Carson Wentz um, doesn't have to throw the ball around a lot much. So I don't know if I'm streaming Carson Wentz a lot, but I am playing Michael Pittman and I'm playing T.Y. Hilton and I'm obviously playing JT. But on the other side, outside of Brandon Cooks, who's now in the category of flex option, I'm um, there's nobody else on Houston I'm necessarily playing right now. I know Rex Burkhead is mentionable, especially now that Philip Lindsay is off the team, but I'm just not interested in this offense. There's not enough touchdown upside for me to be interested in any running backs here. Yeah, completely agree with that on the Texans. Uh, yeah, nobody, nobody in that offense uh, speaks to you for sure. Um, on the Colts side, though, I do think Carson Wentz actually has a good game this week. Uh, I don't think he's going to blow you out of the water, though, so um, that's why he'd be probably a little – probably just outside the top 12 quarterbacks for me, um, but pretty close to that, that out, just outside the top 10 uh, range. I think he could have a solid game, but like you said, uh, it could just be a super run heavy game for the Colts. They could blow him out and uh, Carson might not have to do anything that, that concerns me about uh, T Y Hilton uh, just because you could see the Colts not throwing the ball the whole time. Um, so personally, I would not be starting T.Y. Hilton. I know he does great in the Texans stadium every time, uh, but there has to be a first time for everything, and I expect that he doesn't have the best game this week. Um, but, you know, he'll probably go out there and drop like 20 points and prove me wrong, but we'll see. Uh, and then, you know, Jonathan Taylor, fantastic play. Uh, they should lean on him heavily. He won't be uh, such a hard attack in this game after kind of being that <laughs> against Tampa Bay. So, uh, next matchup here we have on the docket uh, Vikings Lions tough season for the Lions so far of course you're starting Jamal Williams who we already talked about TJ Hawkinson you're staying with him of course and uh, on the Vikings side tough to see Dalvin Cook go out we have of course already talked about him and Alexander Madison being the fill-in um, and then you're starting the two wide receivers Tyler Conklin I think is probably um, not the greatest tight end fill in this week, just because I still think even without Dalvin Cook, the Vikings could try to run the ball just a ton on the Lions. Um, so I'd probably try to be trying to go away from Tyler Conklin personally, um, but he's not the worst tight end fill in this week if you're desperate. Um, but Gabby, anything in that matchup that you wanted to touch on? No, not really. I think you did a good job with that matchup. Kirk Cousins, do you think he's a top 10 quarterback this week? Versus Detroit, yes, I do, especially with Dobbin Cook. I do think I think they're going to have to lean on Kirk Cousins in the passing game for them to have a chance to win the game. Well, not to have a chance, but for them to win the game. Yeah, I, I think he probably ends up just outside for me, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I just I think it's really similar to the game, uh, the Colts-Texans game. I just think there's a chance that uh, Kirk doesn't have to throw the ball too much, but maybe, maybe he does. I, I, I have a pretty high opinion of uh, Alexander Madison admittedly so we'll see how that goes uh, I would say I think Kirk Cousins 
uh, we would probably agree is just right around that top 10, um, that 10 range as far as the rankings. But uh, moving on to our next matchup here, Giants, Dolphins. Uh, Mike Glennon looks like he's going to get the start for New York. I'm not starting anybody in New York except for Saquon, uh, who's a guy that I, I just feel like if you if you have him, you probably got to start him. I, I have a hard time believing you have uh, two better running backs than Saquon Barkley, um, and then a third flex option that's better than him as well. So uh, I would expect you're playing Saquon, nobody else, um, and hopefully Saquon's just getting healthier and is going to look better this week. The Dolphins are a solid defensive streaming option this week, and I think you can play – Jalen Waddle with full confidence now. Jalen Waddle is a is a somehow only like the second best wide receiver in his rookie class, but he is proving that he was worth the high draft pick, and he's been awesome this year. Uh, Tua is a solid streaming option, and uh, Miles Gaskin I think is going to be really good this week. He's my uh, start of the week at running back, and he's been really up and down until it, it, really up and down as far as one week good, one week bad, really consistently until last week, finally broke that stretch. Um, but Giants are top 10 in fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, Gaskins have averaged over 14 fantasy points over the last six weeks. So I expect after Gaskin having some good weeks over these past few weeks, like I said, playing against a leaky defense as far as uh, fantasy points given up to running backs, I expect him to have a good game. And I think Gaskin's just a pretty solid play uh, moving forward the rest of this year. He was a guy I was really high on going into the year, but the Dolphins started out so poor um, that that really, in my opinion, hurt Gaskin's uh, fantasy output. But the, the Dolphins have looked a lot better recently, and uh, I think that's that's probably why Gaskin has started to be a little bit more consistent and uh, a lot better for fantasy recently. So I think he's a really solid play, and I think Jalen Waddle is a really solid play. Um, and then Mike Kosecki, a fine, fine start as well. Um, but He's uh, not a guy that you're super excited about playing, but if you have him, you're probably playing him. But Gabby, anything you wanted to touch on there? No, I think Jalen Waddle, it is something to note that he's, as I noted earlier, he's been a top 10 targeted wide receiver. And Devontae Parker is coming back, so we could see a, a little bit of a drop in that. But did you know he's wide receiver 10 on the year? Yeah, I actually, I just saw that. I was about to mention that to you as well. That is actually insane. It's crazy. There's two rookie wide receivers inside the top 10. Jamar Chase is number eight. Yeah. And That's insane that they're both there. And the thing with Jalen Waddle is his matchup and this season is so juicy. He has the Giants and then he's on a bye in week 14, but then he has the Jets, the Saints who have been awful this year versus the pass, Tennessee who's, who have been awful against the pass, and then New England in week 18. So his matchup is really setting up here nicely for him, to, his breakout to just continue, especially even with Devontae Parker coming back. And he is a part of this offense. He's their playmaker. They're using him around the line of scrimmage close. Tua and him obviously have the connection going back to Alabama. And his peop, the crazy thing with him is what we're, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the season, but Jalen Waddle, he wasn't getting the explosive plays until this week. Um, all his passes were quick little drag routes over the middle, short things. And now he's able to get down the field and have a little bit more of yards after catch. And it's, if he's able to continue doing that, um, he's definitely going to be a, a league winner. He's been on an upwards trajectory uh, all season. 
for the most part. He's been he's been awesome for you, especially recently. Um, definitely a guy uh, that has a pretty great schedule moving forward for you, even definitely in the playoffs. So awesome ad. You're glad you had him this year for sure, and he should help you going forward um, quite a bit. So uh, moving on, though, to our next matchup, we got the Buccaneers and the Falcons. Um, Tom Brady has not been great recently for fantasy over the last few weeks, but uh, I am not concerned. Still telling you to start Tom Brady with full confidence. He is, of course, Tom Brady. So uh, you are playing him with full confidence, um, even after some poor weeks. Um, and then, you know, you start all the Bucks weapons, as usual. Uh, Leonard Fournette coming off a four-touchdown performance, I believe it was. Uh, great game for him. Great game uh, for fantasy and in reality. Um, He's, he's, I think, clearly going to be the number one running back there for probably the next couple of years. He's only 26 years old, um, and he's, of course, in great play this week against the leaky Atlanta defense. Um, you're starting all the Bucks wide receivers, and uh, you're starting Gronk. So um, that's a really easy one there. On the Falcons side, you're probably starting Kyle Pitts just because, you know, if you have Kyle Pitts, I doubt you have better. Kyle Pitts has been – not great for you, but his, his upside is almost, almost unmatched as far as tight ends in the NFL. So uh, not been good for you these last few weeks, but probably got to keep rolling him out there um, unless you've got a, a better option, which there are some, have been some good waiver wire tight ends this year. So it could be, could be possible. Uh, but uh, he's only, uh, only Cordero Patterson would be the only other guy I'd really be playing in that uh, on that, in that Atlanta offense uh, against Tampa Bay this week, but Gabby, um, is there anyone I missed or anyone else you'd be playing in this matchup? I think it's, a, I think this one's probably the most straightforward uh, easy victory for the bucks. Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward in this regard. Um, I think the Lions at a plus 11 is at home. So uh, I do think Tampa Bay wins it, but I don't know. I think Atlanta is going to be able to cover that number, um, especially in the, in the dome, but yeah, in a fantasy perspective, I think they're going to, uh, it's pretty straightforward given all the weapons and with AB's injury looking like he'll be out for a while. I think the receiving course is a little bit clearer to predict. Uh, agreed. Uh, next matchup, Eagles jets, you know, nobody on the jets really has been overly consistent for you. Elijah Moore has been, Pretty great for you recently. Had a little bit of a dip last week. Only got you about nine fantasy points. Uh, but he's still a guy you could roll out as a flex if you need him. Um, an interesting guy for sure, though. Um, and a f- solid play against the Eagles. Um, but like I said, just about a flex. Um, Tevin Coleman is probably the, the running back to have if you're going to have a Jets running back. Not recommending it, but, you know, times can get tough. And and there are some leagues where you might need him. I personally have had to stash him and not play him this week, but maybe soon. We'll see. Uh, so definitely a guy that could be on some people's radar. Looks like he'll be the starter for the remainder of Michael Carter's um, absence, So, uh, which is going to be at least this week and next. Could be longer, but at least this week and next since he's on IR. Um, and then Corey Davis. He's a, also a deep flyer at wide receiver, or deep league flyer at wide receiver. But on the Eagles side, Devonta Smith has been really disappointing for you these last few weeks. 
think this could be a game where we see him pick it up. The Jets, of course, do not have a great defense. So uh, hopefully uh, Devonta Smith is able to get a little bit more involved than he has been recently. Um, definitely has not been great for you uh, these last few weeks. But uh, Jalen uh, Hurt, Hurts, uh, he's still going to be still going to be a, a solid play for you, a quarterback. Um, and then that, that running back room in Philadelphia is a little murky uh, with the injuries. I'm, I'm, I'm just avoiding that in general. I don't have any confidence in really any of those running backs, but uh, Gabby, is there anybody in Philadelphia that you think um, if Miles Sanders doesn't play um, is the clear, the clear guy to put, to have there, or um, is there anything else in that matchup that you wanted to touch on? No, I don't think there's going to be a clear guy. I think they're going to split it up between Boston and Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. And from a matchup perspective, I, I think it's going to be pretty straightforward. I think Philadelphia's defense has a chance to dominate and the running game to get off to a really good start. So I do think both running backs are going to be flex considerations. But outside of that, no, I, I'm not really excited about this game. It's definitely going to be a corner game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, should not be a barn burner, that's for sure. Um, next game, Cardinals and Bears. Pretty pretty lopsided matchup here. Uh, David Montgomery, he's had a, a few pretty poor weeks. Uh, he hasn't had a game over 11 fantasy points since his return, since his injury. Gabby, I'm curious, what's your concern level with David Montgomery? I'm not too concerned. He's obviously their best offensive player, so they're going to lean on that a little bit more. Um, yeah, he hasn't been great as of recently, but I'm I'm still playing him. And I'm still putting him in my lineup just given his talent and the workload and the and the opportunities that they will continue to give him in the offense. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, if he gets a touchdown in any of his matchups so far, we're completely changing our narrative, I think, um, or any of his games in the last three weeks, that is. Um, so I think you just got to hope he gets a touchdown right now. Um, he's their bi- their best offensive weapon, like you said. So, yeah, you got to hold and keep playing David Montgomery. I think uh, he'll pick it up for sure. Um, but, yeah, on the Cardinals side, Kyler Murray, I think he'll be back this week. Um, you're playing him, obviously, if he's in pretty much every time. Um, hard to imagine you have – too much of a better option on your on your bench or on your team. Uh, James Conner, of course, playing him this week. I think he for sure is good for a touchdown, or not for sure, but I think he's likely good for a touchdown this week. Um, and then keep an eye for out for Hopkins to return. Um, could be back this week. He's been battling injuries. Um, hopefully, he'll be back. But you know, he's already been missing games, so um, we'll see. But if he's in, then you'll play him. Uh, he's been limited in practice this week, so uh, sounds like he could go, but if he's in, you play him, but keep an eye on it. Uh, Gabby, anything else to touch on there? No. All right, so we got a, our next matchup here is pretty juicy. I'm going to let you take us through this one, Gabby. It's the Chargers and the Bengals. I'm excited for this one. I'm excited to watch it, but I'm excited to hear what you are looking forward to in this matchup as well. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty heavy run game from the Bengals, just given that Chargers are really good versus pass, pretty poor versus the run. So I'm downgrading all the Bengals wide receivers here. Uh, T. Higgins is going to be a flex option for me. You're obviously still playing Jamar Chase. 
but on the other side, I think it's pretty straightforward. The only guy that you really have a question about is Mike Williams. Um, his, his consistency, it, it's waning here a little bit. And then he's now in that flex category, giving – now he's – depending on your situation, do you need a win this week? Then I'd probably play him. But if – again, like if I alluded to earlier, if you looks like you're projected to win, maybe I'd go in a different direction to see a guy like Jacoby Myers – is on the waiver wire, maybe a little a safer option who has a floor and can get you who won't bottom out for you there. But outside of that, I think it's pretty straightforward. Jared Cook, I'm not really looking to play him this matchup, but you're obviously playing Keenan Allen and Eckler and Herbert. No, I, I agree with that. Um, Mike Williams, I'm a little bit I'm a, he's tough. He's been so bad for you recently. I mean, he had the good game two weeks ago, but uh, yeah, he's tough to roll out there, um, but I, I'd probably play him over Jacoby Myers just straight up. Um, but that's a really good point to bring up. If you need a consistent guy, um, you can find a better guy than Mike Williams for sure. If you're looking for consistency uh, or a better floor at the very least. Um, and then just to go back to what you said earlier, just to mention it, uh, you talked about the Chargers being um, a pretty stingy pass defense. You're totally right. They're the, they give up the second fewest fantasy points to wide receivers uh, this year. So uh, definitely a, definitely a downgrade for the Bengals wide receivers. Uh, T Higgins is a borderline flex option. I think um, even after his best game of the season last week, although I am pretty high on him, just we've been, we've both thought of him as a, uh, a guy to look out for as a four, as a breakout this year, a guy that we both talked about in our, our mid season, just uh, recap and, and prep for the second half of the season episode we did uh, a couple weeks ago. And we both thought he was going to break out and he did. And so if he continue, I, I just have, um, I just believe that he could continue this breakout. I see the talent there. We know it's there and it's just a, a matter of if the Bengals decide to throw it enough or are they going to run the ball? So um, this matchup, like you said, probably going to see a lot of running, but definitely an interesting guy to keep an eye on and uh, definitely a guy to hold on to and see what's going to happen. So, uh, and then Joe Mixon way better than he gets credit for, uh, for fantasy this year. So a great, just a great player. Um, moving on though, uh, our next, next matchup here, we got the Jaguars and the Rams. This is going to be our first of the one o'clock window uh, of games here. Rams, a great defense to play against the Jaguars. Uh, James Robinson is really the only guy that I'm excited to play on the Jaguars. Um, I think that uh, Marvin Jones is a deep league or desperation wide receiver that you could play, um, but I'd be avoiding it if, if at all possible. Um, but there could be some fantasy value there. Um, on the Rams side, Odell got a big touchdown last week. So you can continue to bet on that if you're a believer. Um, personally, I'm not betting on that at this point. They're going to have to show me a little bit more consistency before I'd be playing Odell with any sort of confidence, but... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Did I just hear that right? Did you just say you have no confidence in playing Mr. Odell Beckham Jr., the guy with so much talent? I've only told people to play Odell Beckham Jr. once this year. We're going to have to review the tapes on that one, but... Yeah, um, no, I've, I've been telling people to hold Odell Beckham all year. I think I, I think that's been a, 
not worked out great, but it hasn't been the worst thing I've ever recommended people to do yet. At least the one good game this week. I yeah, just, I, I, I think this is now, this is now the time to be playing him. I think the consistency is now there. You've seen the 10 targets. You've seen the performance. You saw the big playability. Matthew Stafford's continuously looking for him down the field. I think now is the time that he's going to be in your lineup now more than ever. I think the Browns goggles are on there a little bit with you because if I remember correctly, you were very high Odell Beckham junior proponent going into the, going into the year when he was on the Browns. And now that he has a better quarterback, has higher upside, now we're, we're, we're wary on him. Now we're waiting to see if Odell Beckham can pop. I, we've seen it. I, I think the what wasn't happening in Cleveland, it's happening in L.A., which – I think now we, we have the confidence to put him in as a flex. We know the upside is there. We knew the talent was there. It was never as Odell Beckham Jr. a good wide receiver. It was his situation is not good. He's not catching the ball. His quarterback cannot throw him the football accurately or where it needs to be. And now that he has a quarterback that's able to do that, and we see the chemistry is there. He was on the field for ninety over 95% of the snaps in one of the most high-powered offenses in the NFL – I'm playing Odell Beckham if I have him at this point, because if I have Odell Beckham and I've been holding on for him for this long, what am I waiting for? What else do I need to see for him to be in my lineup at this point? I guess is where, that's where I stand. What else do you need to see? If you're going to go and go based on uh, who you're going to start in your lineup, based off who has one good week, there are tons of wide receivers who have random wide receivers who have great weeks. It's um, not that he what, had one good week. It's that he's well. Done. What other week did he have this year that was uh, usable? It's Sam. It's not that he's been. On. Oh, when was it? I'm just saying. You, I've never been on that. You're mischaracterizing what I said to begin the year. For one, uh, yeah, I was super high on him. Uh, but I was have only once said that he was a solid start. And when I did, it was a. Uh, it wasn't that he was the top top start but he was a guy that you could start um and yeah i've definitely not been telling people to start him uh definitely don't think that the that baker's i think that's a pretty harsh take on baker i don't think that takes uh into account a lot of the things uh going on in that situation mainly injuries um but yeah i don't i've ne- i've definitely not been telling people to start odell beckham um i think he's a fine play if you're looking for a desperation play but 16 points one week is not going to be um making me confident coming into crunch time in the season if if you're i mean if you're desperate he's he's fine he's far from the worst play but he's done he's had one good week on the rams he's had one good week all season he's played two games with the rams and he's okay. now on the field for over 95% of the snaps. You're mis- you're acting like there aren't a lot of things happening with Odell Beckham that's happened the last three weeks. You're like, he's been bad for the last year. No, he was on. I'm being bad with Baker Mayfield. But I think the – I've been saying this all year, the point being, Baker was complete ass with Odell Beckham. I think we need to establish that. That needs to be established. That connection was not happening. And it, was, it wasn't good for anybody in that situation. And now he's outside of that situation. And Robert Woods is outside of LA. So now Odell Beckham is now the number two wide receiver in the most high-powered, one of the most high-powered offenses in the NFL. Odell Beckham last week had 19.1 fantasy points and was on the field for 98% of the snaps. Why is that going away anytime soon? Is 
jo- is Tyler Higby going to take those snaps away? I don't think so. Is Robert Woods going to get another bionic leg and come back on the field? I don't think so. So from an Odell Beckham Jr.'s perspective, especially when he starts playing guys like Jacksonville, Minnesota, Seattle, Baltimore, and San Francisco down the stretch, these are all pretty horrible pass defenses. Uh, if I had Odell Beckham on my team, I, I'm asking you, what do you else do you need to see for him to be on your team. We know the talent is there with Odell. That's never been the question. I know you know he's one of the – I know you still think he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. 98% of the snaps, they weren't playing anybody else. I it was just – Him and Cooper. I don't – I it takes takes a little bit more than one good week to to bring me over to be like, oh, I'm so excited to play you. I mean, we know that – yeah, the idea of Odell Beckham – is is in that offense is great and I think he could be great the rest of the season and that would not surprise me at all um but I just one week of being good does not make me um decide to just completely um be confident in in him I just think he's still a a flex play at wide receiver right now um and I think there's definitely going to be better options out there that are safer Robert Woods when he was on the team or he's on the team but when he was healthy uh, he was he had inconsistent weeks. We all know how how poor he was to start the season. Uh, so it's not like that role of him being the number two receiver in in L.A. guarantees that he'll be getting a ton of targets. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place to be. And it's a great situation. And I definitely think it's a situation that I would like to be involved in. I would like to have Odell Beckham on my team and would like to be holding him to see what happens. But one week is just all I'm saying is that one week doesn't make me feel super confident. And that's why I would rank him a little bit lower than, than, uh, than you, I guess. And honestly, I think we're pretty, pretty, we're really kind of just splitting hairs to be honest. I'm avoiding him because I think he's just outside of a flex play. Um, You're playing him because you, you believe in the talent. I just, I just want to see it one more week is really all that I'm saying. Um, And I, and I don't think that, his struggles with Baker Mayfield. Um, I don't think that's, I don't think it's all ba- on Ma- Baker Mayfield. And I don't expect that uh, Odell just becomes the, I just don't, ex- I'm just, I'm not sold that I'm, I'm not feeling comfortable starting Odell in a matchup that really matters this week after only one good week is what it really comes down to. I really don't have much else to um, say other than that. I do think he's a great receiver. I am excited to see what he does in the offense, but uh, after one week and against a team that's not very good and you could see them running the ball quite a bit, I'm just not just not necessarily sold that uh, I should be starting Odell. Not that he's the worst start. Uh, I just would probably look elsewhere if possible. All righty. I, I think we're gonna we're gonna visit this back up in uh, a week or so and somebody's gonna be looking looks really smart i I don't know who it's going to be but i I have a feeling well okay i do want to put the point this out if (laughs) if odell comes out and has the um, an amazing game if odell comes out and drops 50 the only the the only one on this person who was not saying to drop odell in the earlier in this year that was me i said just hold on to odell this whole time so when i was saying to not say Let's not act like I'm out on Odell completely or anything. 
Just let's, get, let's be clear here. The situation has changed completely, so outlooks are allowed to change. I think but, your outlook hasn't changed. I think is where why I'm having we're having this disagreement. You still think he's in Cleveland? No, he's in LA now. He he's playing real football out there. He's catching balls. I I think he's great. I think he's an awesome receiver, excellent receiver, in an excellent situation. I just don't. I just don't see how you don't have anybody that you're more confident in on your roster if you're in a in playoff contention. That is, I mean, I yeah, I I I think he's right around this week, right around the likes of T Higgins. I think he's right around that level right now this week. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I I, that's how I feel about that. He's a little bit above T Higgins, but um, I would actually have said that he's a little bit below. <laughs> uh yeah so but yeah we'll see we'll see for sure we will yeah i mean if he has a great week this week then i want to say then i would then i'd have confidence starting him every week going forward probably um i just i just want to see it again but that's all so i think we're both rooting for him to have a good week i think that's the important part (laughs) important part um anything else though from that uh i mean cooper cup you know he's been he's been bad for cooper cup but still excellent for fantasy um so yeah we're still playing him obviously um and i think tyler higby is not the not the worst start at tight end either uh probably around that that 10 10 9 11 to 9 range uh for tyler higby this week uh maybe a little higher but um a fine play if you need one and uh yeah gotta keep an eye on that running back situation but um nothing else there right gabby no nothing else in that matchup uh all right uh next matchup washington uh versus las vegas uh i think it'll be probably a fine game this week um josh josh jacobs i think would probably have a solid game washington's defense is not overly formidable um, Josh Jacobs usually does well in games the Raiders win, and I would think the Raiders will win this one. Um, Darren Waller, um, he's out, so uh, that's going to be that's going to be uh, or doubtful. Excuse me, not officially ruled out, um, but that's probably going to be mean that there's going to need to be somebody else who steps up. Maybe that's Josh Jacobs as a role, a key for the offense, but um, we'll see there. Could be good things, I think, for uh, Hunter Renfro for sure, though, if Darren Waller is out. Um, and then Logan Thomas on the uh, opposite side of him, solid play. The Raiders are not great versus tight ends. Um, I think they're in the yeah they're the third worst team against uh, as far as points given up to tight ends in fantasy each week. So Logan Thomas is a fine streamer. Um, definitely not super high on him, but he's a fine streamer. And then Antonio Gibson. Um, he should be a great play moving forward as long as uh, McKissick is out, went down with a scary injury. Um, so unfortunate events for him. Uh, but if McKissick is out, then Gibson clearly has that solid secured role. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, although you were playing Gibson anyways. Um, and then, yeah, usual suspects, Terry McLaurin, he'll play uh, or you'll play him. So uh, yeah. Any, anybody else in that matchup though, that you wanted to touch on Gabby? Uh, Josh, yeah, if you want to note, I think Josh Jacobs is, he's got his biggest touches of the year last year, so maybe that would be something to build off of. And Hunter Renfro is consistently, especially with now with Darren Waller, I think he's a top 20 play with the uh, this week. 
because just given the fact that he has a, such a consistent floor and uh, the connection with Connor, uh, Derek Carr is for real. So I, I don't see that waning at any point. And he's been able to, he had the big week last week, 134 yards. We were like, if Hunter Renfro was able to do that, then I, I don't know what else we need to see from him. He has the consistency. He gets the targets. He has even a little bit of touchdowns when it comes down to the red zone. Um, yeah, all in all, a great wide receiver. And you're happy if you got him this year. Um, it'd be kind of foolish to think that he would. He, he's not a big part of your fantasy team in, in my estimation. But again, situations change. So I'm allowed, if, if, if one of your wide receivers leave out, your, your outlook is allowed to change. I think one of my core, I, my core pillars of uh, fantasy football is being willing to change your mind. And uh, <laughs> Hunter Renfro, you know, he had one of the, the leading receiver um, get cut from the team due to some extenuating circumstances. He's had Darren Waller now go down. Um, so, yeah, there's a few things that are boosting Hunter Renfro quite a bit at the end of this season here for sure. Um He's been a fine play. Um, averages 14 points now, which is a lot higher than he I thought he would. Uh, so that's good for him. But he's still a guy that I'm I'm not like I'm not disappointed that I don't have. I'm sad that I don't have him this week with Darren Waller out. That's for sure. He'll have a great game this week. Um, but I mean, just moving forward and uh, previously, not not so much, uh, not so excited personally. But you know. Ever, to each their own and then just going back to the Odell Beckham thing my opinion I would I want it to change I again just want him to prove it to me I want it to change very happy for it to change I know that's what you're alluding to so I just I want I want him to do well I am open to change it's I'm hoping I'm a big Odell fan I would be really happy if he did well uh yeah but any anything else in that matchup you wanted to touch on Gabby no. Okay. Um, Ravens, Steelers, that's our next one here. Uh, Gabby, I'll let you take us through this one. Um, interesting division matchup. Yeah, it's going to be uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, I, Pittsburgh's going to be underdog at plus four. I do think it's going to be interesting to see how Lamar responds after having a poor performance versus Cleveland. They able to get the win there, another divisional matchup. They might be drained here. So I do like Pittsburgh at plus four, um, just especially at home here. But I think they have a good chance of covering. But Pat Fryermuth is in the concussion protocol, so that's something that, you know, he's been really good for you as recently. A lot of those points came at the end of that game in junk time last week, but they all count the same. Um, so now he's been able to have over double-digit fantasy points in four of the last five matchups and caught a touchdown in four of those last five matchups as well. So he's shown the, the consistency and a rapport with Big Ben, especially with Ebron out on IR. I think that role is continuously going to grow. Um, but outside of that, I think it's pretty straightforward. You're playing Deontay and Najee Harris. Chase Claypool has been interesting as of recently. Um, playing Baltimore this week, the secondary isn't hasn't been that good. Last week, it went three for 82. He had that big catch at the beginning of the game that really opened it up. But uh, but the offense has just looked so anemic and not able to score a lot of points that I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at you if you didn't start Chase Claypool. So one thing that we were really 
when he was one of my guys going into the season, something I was really into is that his touchdown, he caught so many touchdowns last year, and he's only caught one thus far this year. And that's just because the offense, again, as I talking about earlier, is just not as good. So I, he's def- Chase Claypool is in flex category and with just not as much upside as his name might suggest. So if you have an other option, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad or I would be looking to pivot it if possible. I've all, I've always kind of seen uh, DK Metcalf and Chase Claypool in a, in a similar, in a similar way, just due to their, um, their physicals, like how their height, weight and speeds and all that. Um, and just they, their style, just the way they go up and get contested catches and are deep threats. Um, they, I've always seen them similar and they're both guys that are similar in that their offenses are just not able to get them ball, the ball. They're both extremely talented um, but lately they have both not been good for fantasy for that reason or good um, on the stat sheet. So uh, Chase Claypool is a guy you can always throw in there and hope he catches the deep ball, but he's not a guy that I'm uh, looking to start in, in any way. But yeah, like you said, could be a flex option for you, but you got to know what you're in for. You're hoping for a deep ball. Um, and then other than that, he's going to not do anything for you. Um, so Deontay Johnson, of course, is a start. And uh, I believe as far as Lamar Jackson was concerned, I believe that might have been his worst fantasy game ever. I th- believe that's um, believe that's what it, what it is. It might have been in the last like two or three years or whatever. But um, I believe that's his worst fantasy game ever. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely think he'll bounce back from that. Uh, and then as far as Pat Fryermuth is concerned, he's my best of the rest start of the week at tight end this week. I think he's an awesome option. Uh, Baltimore is giving up the fourth most fantasy points to tight ends this year. And Pat Fryermuth is averaging 13 fantasy points a game over the last six weeks. So he's a guy who's been getting it done consistently for a little while now. And uh, against a great, a a good, good matchup, a good matchup to have. Baltimore is uh, leaky to the tight ends. And he's actually a guy that's still fairly uh, widely available. He was rostered in less than 60% of leagues going into the, uh, of leagues going into the week. And now he's only up to 65% or so. So check your waiver wire if you're tight end needy. He might be out there. Uh, a guy that honestly might be the best rookie tight end this year um, as far as fantasy output. Um, but I mean, probably not. But uh, he's been really good for you, especially recently. But uh, any, any, uh, anything else to mention in that matchup, Gabby, before we move on? No. And I guess – should ask, should be asking myself that question because I did want to say, I think uh, the thing about Chase Claypool that you were talking about how we expected him to be better. I think it just comes down to uh, big Ben did not have the arm strength that we thought he would. We thought he'd be able to at least chuck it down the field. We thought he'd return, uh, recover a little bit more than he did from his, his uh, surgery a couple years ago. Um, that has not been the case. So uh, Chase Claypool in dynasty is definitely an interesting guy to hold on to, or maybe even target in the hopes that maybe a, a quarterback with a bigger arm uh, comes to Pittsburgh next year. So just something to keep in mind if you play dynasty, but moving on to our next matchup here, 49ers versus the Seahawks. Um, an interesting one here as far as a divisional matchup, but I expect this to be probably a pretty run heavy game. That's probably not super high scoring. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I already mentioned is my best of the rest start of the week. I think he's going to be utilized quite a bit in the passing game, filling that explosive role. Um, with Debo out. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has been a, an interesting, interesting quarterback streamer. He's outside of my top 10 for sure this week still, but um, you know, maybe in a two quarterback league, he's not a, he's not a terrible quarterback too. That's for sure. 
um, a solid quarterback to play. And um, yeah, on Seattle's side, uh, it's just Russell Wilson. You can't even play him. Uh, and the, the receivers, I, honestly, you're trying to avoid them as well. I mean, they are still Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, so it's hard to bench them, but it's a, it's a grody situation. You're definitely, I'm definitely trying to avoid it, but um, Gabby, what do you, what do you think about that Seattle situation? Yeah, I'm avoiding it at all costs um, in, the, in the running back situation, but from the wide receiver perspective, I'm starting Tyler Lockett. He's been I don't know, actually a model of consistency very yeah, pretty recently. He's been over double digit fantasy points in three of the last four. Um, Barely though, but yeah. N- did I say a lie there in that last sentence? No, no. I'm just saying. I just just wanted to make sure. Like, I'm not trying to disagree with you. I'm just trying to. I think uh, Tyler Lockett's not the worst play. I'm just trying to say it's been. You want a guy who's going to get you more than like 12 points. I mean, he has got. He did. I did miss. Uh, yeah, his but 26 point I guess my my point being my my point being yeah he got 24 a couple of weeks ago and that was with Geno Smith. Um, but also my point being is that the Tyler Lockett, what we were worried about is that he gets, he gets you five, he gets you two, he has the potential to get you four. And if Tyler Lockett's getting you 10 or 12, like he still has the potential to, he's catching balls down the field. Like he still has the potential to get those and break it for a touchdown and win you your matchup, win you, win you your league, honestly. So if he's able to, if he still has the floor, but he's still the, one of the best boom buzz players in the league. I, I, I guess I, the downside with him is alleviated at least slightly, I guess, for in the short term. So I don't see a problem playing him this week as opposed to a guy like DK Metcalf, who hasn't been as consistent over the last week. Obviously, you're still playing DK. Let, let me get that out there. But I guess I'm more inclined to play someone who's been showing out on the field over the last month or so. I would uh, I would definitely be more interested in playing Lockett than Metcalf, um, but I just I was just trying to say that it just hasn't been where you would hope uh, Tyler Lockett has been these last three weeks, or could it, where you hope Tyler Lockett will be these last three weeks. That's a great point you make about if his bad weeks are um, are better than those three or four or five weeks, then then that's, that's definitely something you'll take if he gets back to those big weeks. So that's for sure. That's for sure. A great point. Um, I'm just trying to, to, I'm just trying to make it clear that Tyler Lockett is not on the same level that he was going into the season. I'm, I'm a little nervous that he's not going to put out those. I don't believe that he's going to come out and get you a big week this week. I, you're right though. It's, it's hard to not play him. He is worth playing. Um, I guess I just in my mind he's probably downgraded just a few a few spots in my rankings, but it's not like you'd have those guys in between him anyways. So yeah, you're playing Tyler Lockett. Um, I just think with a little bit less confidence, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and then DK Metcalf, I think is he's been really bad. He, I mean, it's it's hard to not play DK Metcalf, but he's like a, he he's yeah not been good at all. He's been really bad. That's super scary. If you have to play DK Metcalf, I feel bad for you. Good luck. Um, but anyways, uh, on the 49ers side, Elijah Mitchell, absolute beast. Um, he could also see some increase in targets. 
from Debo being out. May have already mentioned that, but uh, yeah, I definitely think Elijah Mitchell's a really solid play. And then George Kittle, you know, another guy who could see a little bit of those, uh, those targets from Debo Samuel's absence. So uh, yeah. Anything else in that matchup, Gabby, that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, I think it's good. I think it's going to be uh, kind of close though, however, but uh, I, nah, nothing from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. To, I, I have a hard time believing Russ continues to suck this whole season. Uh, and so I definitely think the Seahawks get it back on track. I just don't no. know. You I don't think, think you don't. Wow. I think there's a chance he sucks for the rest of the season. Wow. I mean, what we saw with Russ at the end of last year was kind of similar, right? He he started off really hot, and then at the end of the year, he tailed off, and he was – if we don't remember correctly, like, he was really bad at the end of the year. He got beat in a playoff game by John Wofford and Jared Goff, respectively. And, yeah, he, he was playing some of the worst football in his of his career. And then, yeah, he started off really hot, and then the injury, now he's back to playing some of the worst football in his career, so – at the end of the at the end of the year so two years in a row especially when the offense is in such a tailspin honestly the whole organization is such in a tailspin um i i do think there's a possibility that this offense doesn't get back on track but i mean as far as like all right you go ahead no i just i was just gonna add like um it'd be hard for me to like sit those wide receivers alluded to, like I said earlier. But I mean, again, Russ was missing people in that game. He was throwing some ducks, uh, just balls that he shouldn't be hitting. He wasn't, and yes, that's the finger injury, and he, yeah, it looks like he probably shouldn't have been rushing back. But is that just going to get healthier if he keeps playing with it? Uh, keeps playing like with an injured finger, or does he? Should he have taken more time? And I guess at this point, he's playing so. Hopefully it gets better, but I definitely think there's a possibility where he doesn't get right until the end of the year. I mean, he's playing with a bum, a bum finger in his throwing hand, and I'm pretty sure outside of the thumb, I think it's the most important finger you need to throw the football, if I'm not mistaken. I I do think that there's a chance that he I I, really, I don't think he gets back to regular Russ or good Russ or great Russ Russ I should say, um, but I do think that he gets back into like into a form that at least allows his, his receivers to be um, more fantasy relevant. I mean, last year, especially for DK, they never had a stretch like this. You know, the entire season, there was a couple, there was a couple games that weren't great some bad games, but never a stretch like this, that was this bad um, last year, um, even though you're right, he did dip. So it's, it's worse than it's been, than it's ever been right now, which is why I think, uh, as far as at least as far as his um, his ability to create enough um, targets and uh, touches for his fantasy op for his receiving uh, offensive options, so uh, to to make them fantasy relevant, it's never been this bad. So um, that's why I think that it it turns around at least somewhat. Um, but it's uh it's not it's not clear when that'll be. Like I said, I think this is going to be. A, I personally think this is going to be a run heavy game. Both the 49ers and the Seahawks are known for their desire to run the ball and run the ball well. So I don't see why they would um, make it a passing game, uh, but we'll see. I don't know when the Seahawks will turn it around. Could very well be too late, um, but 
I do think at some point it gets better at least could be this week, uh, but would not be surprised if it wasn't, but moving on to our next matchup, final game on Sunday, Broncos chiefs uh, chiefs coming off the bye. Uh, Broncos are also coming off the bye, actually. Um, you can't play any of the Broncos wide receivers. Jerry Judy would be the best one of them all uh, to play. But personally, I'm not playing him unless you're in a deep league. Um, Gabby, do you, do you see Jerry Judy any differently right now? Yeah, no, I'm not playing any of the Denver yeah, wide receivers. Didn't think so. Yeah, they, it's like it's honestly the weird – They it's a weird situation. They have a ton of really great receivers. And uh, nobody to throw them the ball. So, interesting. But um, Melvin Gordon did get hurt last game, but he came back. So, I think he should probably be fine moving forward. Uh, But definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, uh, still probably about that same level they've been all season. Still probably going to split time in this game, of course. Even though it's a pretty poor Chiefs defense, I – Think you could both be starting them as probably flex or RB2 options. Um, but yeah, other than that, you're starting the Chiefs, uh, usual suspects. You're starting Travis Kelsey and Hill and Mahomes. I think the interesting question is probably mostly around Clyde Edwards Alaire, what to do with him. Um didn't didn't he was great, he was good last in his last game. So um you can be starting him probably with uh, some confidence, but he still didn't get um, the majority of the snaps in his last game, of course, is coming off a of bye, so maybe they were just um, letting him kind of ease into it. But uh, I think you're probably starting Clyde Edwards-Alaire with um, – I mean, he's he's probably going to be an RB2 for sure. Um, so I think you're probably starting him with that level of confidence. But, Gabby, do you see Clyde, uh, Clyde any differently this week? No, I definitely think you, you're starting him this week, but definitely temper expectations there – there, especially with Daryl Williams, as you alluded to earlier, being a bigger part of the role. Um, I, I'm interested to see how these Chiefs look. Andy Reid off of bye, we know, is a very good football team. And versus Denver, um, I think I think the Chiefs have a chance to get back on track. They look really good. Um, looks like they have been able to find their groove. And especially now they're by coming at a perfect time. Travis Kelsey looked a little bit slow. Everybody else. Looked like they just needed a week, and maybe now they look like they come back and look like the dominant NFL AFC team because the AFC looks pretty wide open. Honestly, the whole league looks wide open outside of the Packers and maybe the Cardinals. Uh, it doesn't. It looks like, at least, especially on the AFC side, that somebody that nobody's really taking taking that crown. So, if the Chiefs are able to look healthy again, um, I don't see why they won't come out of the AFC. Yeah, and even after all their struggles to begin the season, they're still the number one team in their division. So um, they are they are no worse for the wear, for sure. Um, but, yeah, moving on to our next matchup, uh, Bills and Patriots. This is going to be this is going to be a really good one, I think, um, just for viewing purposes. Um, Gabby, what stands out to you about this matchup? Uh, the Bills versus Patriots is at a minus three, which is – uh, Bills minus three, which is telling you that a neutral site, they think the Bills in New England is a, that's a, they think they're a draw. They, they basically think that that game would be tied. And I think the Bills are, 
pretty easily the better team in that situation if it was on neutral field. Yeah, the Bills looked bad versus my Colts, but I think that was just matchup-based and the fact that it was a cold game they weren't able to throw the ball a lot. And I think at home, Buffalo is going to be able to do whatever they want in New England. I think people are really thinking this New England team is really good, but if you look at their schedule and who they've beaten, outside of a Chargers win, they haven't beaten anybody of real significance. So... I'm confident I'm playing most of, most of my Buffalo Bills players here. Um, the wide receivers, I mean, the wide receivers, obviously, I'm playing Diggs. Um, Manuel Sanders has been awful for you, but I, I'm happy playing Cole Beasley this week. I think it's going to be some sort of a game where the Bills are going to have to put up some points to win. So I'm happy playing Cole, and I know that New England likes to take away my number one option, so they're going to roll coverage over to Diggs, which means that Guys such as Cole Beasley will be open. I, I don't have a problem playing Emmanuel Sanders this week. I, I'm not necessarily looking forward to, especially this week in, late into the season. But if he's on my roster at this point, then, there's, then we always have to be open to the possibility of playing him. And this matchup is one of the matchups I'd consider playing him. So on the other side of the football, though, New England, I'm playing Damian Harris, the running back. He hasn't been as good as of recently, but he's more in the – of a, in of a committee now, but you still have to play him. And we talked about the wide receivers a little bit earlier. It's a little bit murkier there. The funny thing with New England, I think, is that their best players, the best players in fantasy are on their defense and their kicker. It's a kicker and then their defense. And yeah. you're playing those guys most week. You're not playing the defense this week, obviously, but Nick Folk is their best fantasy player this year. And I don't think it's close. Yeah, I... Uh... I totally agree with you on uh, the Patriots there. I, except for Damian Harris, I do think I'm not playing him with complete confidence. I think that's definitely, obviously it's a little bit more of a timeshare now. Um, I would still play him with, um, and not feel terrible about it. He would still have a great game, but, or a solid game. Um, but he's definitely downgraded in my mind, definitely a lower RB2 flex type of player. Um, so definitely downgraded, but still playable if you need somebody. Um, but I could see him getting benched if you have somebody better. And uh, as far as the Bills, I also wanted to disagree on the receiver that the receivers that I would start there. Of course, we both would start Stephon Diggs, but I would actually start Emmanuel Sanders over Cole Beasley, um, unless you're in a situation where you're just you just want to ensure you get those ten points and that's all you want, and, and you're good with that. Then go with Cole Beasley. But both of them have been pretty poor for fantasy, and I just think that the only one that really has the potential to do something that um, you're really happy about is Emmanuel Sanders. If he catches a deep touchdown. And like you said, expect the new England to roll coverage over to Diggs. He's the number one option. He's obviously where they want to go. So I expect that uh, Emmanuel Sanders gets an opportunity to make that happen. Um, he hasn't done it. He hasn't done it recently and new England is a good defense. Um, so it might not happen, but if I am starting either of those bills receivers uh, that aren't named Diggs. I'm very disappointed, um, but I'm probably going with Emmanuel Sanders, unless, like you, I said, you need those 10 points. Um, but, yeah, we already touched on Matt Breida in that matchup. Um, and then the running back uh, the running back by committee is really unfortunate for uh, Damian Harris owners. Um, but, you know, you got to keep an eye on it and still not the worst option there. Uh, but is there anything you wanted to touch on, uh, Gabby, for any of the matchups or this one? Uh, before we finish up our matchup segment here. No, I, no, 
I think we awesome. Awesome. So moving on to one, our final segment here, we got our defensive streaming options. Uh, honorable mentions to Arizona at uh, playing Chicago and Tampa Bay versus Atlanta. Uh, both defenses that are widely owned and were widely owned going into the week, um, but are both great, great defensive plays, of course. Um, but in order, starting with my first of uh, my top five uh, defensive streamers uh, that for this week, number one, Philadelphia versus the Jets. Philadelphia is just, just outside of the top 10 in defenses for fantasy this year. Um, so they're good um, and they're playing the Jets. So definitely a great start there. Second is Indianapolis versus Houston. Um, the versus Houston is probably all I really have to say there, but Indianapolis is the seventh best defense on the year. So great play there. And then the Rams first the, the Jaguars uh, Rams have a, 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 disapp a somewhat disappointing defense for fantasy this year, but I think that against a team like the Jaguars, they'll still get it done. And then in Minnesota uh, versus Detroit, um, just Minnesota is, gets to play Detroit. That's all. Um, and then Miami versus the Giants, who the Giants are starting Mike Glennon. So it should be a really solid game for Miami, who is the number 10 defense on the year, actually. So surprisingly good um, just in general. So those are going to be my top five defensive streamers. Again, that's Philadelphia, Indianapolis, Los Angeles Rams, Minnesota, and Miami. Um, so, Gabby, any defenses that I didn't mention there that you wanted to point out or anything else before we go? Um, no, I think you, yeah, you got all the good streamers there. Honorable mention, Arizona. Yeah, I think this week is a lot of, there's a lot of big matchups with home dogs in terms of, of the, in, like, from a betting perspective. Um, a lot of, a lot of big underdogs at home. So I think there's a potential for some really good defenses. A lot of these defenses are going to be on the road, however. So that is something to consider. I, I do think there's a potential for some of these guys to bust. Like I think Philly, I think yes, they 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 have they might be the number one defensive streamer option, but I think there's a chance that the Jets put up twenty eight points, get and then Philly gets you one point zero points. I think that's a possibility. Philly has been a really big play defense, but that's what you need from a defensive streamer. So um, I, I have no problem with it, but. Uh, just something to note, especially this week in particular. Yeah, I I just think the Jets aren't good, and if even if that does happen, um, like you said, you need turnovers from your defense, and if uh, if Zach Wilson is going to be out there trying to play, trying to get points, he, I think he's also going to be out there getting interceptions. So that's what my my reasoning was behind that, um, and that's what I'm banking on. I just think honestly, I think the Jets are just the worst team in the NFL. Um, probably them or Detroit, but. Um, or, I mean, Houston's looked better recently, but they were in there to begin with. But, uh, yeah, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us on uh, episode 15 of the uh, Sam and Gabby's Fantasy Football Show. Uh, we'll be back next week. And, again, follow us on Twitter at SG Fantasy Show. We appreciate you joining us. See you next time. Bye. Bye.